Producers without a clue. Seriously? That's what they call animation nowadays? How do you even sell a show? What the hell is a production packet? Oh yeah, it's gonna be animated. It's gonna be real cool. Wait, who's animating this thing? You've gotta believe in your own ideas. Everyone is pitching ideas! What do you have to join the Illuminati? We just have to do it our way! Animation has warped my sense of reality. I didn't tell him to draw that! <laughs> oh, it's all about the demographic. I'm here, uh, Producers Without a Clue, Episode 3, and I'm here with Michael Cook, creator of Chucky Chicken and co-founder of Valley Studios. And I'm here with Brian Finley, the creator of Mimsy and Dusty. What and up? <laughs> overall animator and amazing good guy. I try. So, uh, yeah, let's roll into it. You're holding on a story, so go for it. Well, uh, as we always do, animation news first. Mm -hmm. And today, as we're filming, November 18th, 2020, is Mickey Mouse's 92nd birthday. Happy birthday, Mickey. Um, I recently went on to iTunes because I'm a huge Disney nerd. And uh, they have the Steamboat Willie album like the soundtrack on itunes that you can buy but they also have an interview that somebody did with walt disney talking about how he did the sound oh for wow Steamboat. okay because because that's that's the whole reason why mickey mouse is so popular because he was the star of the first fully synchronized sound cartoon mm -hmm. and the story was interesting because walt was talking about how he hired these guys and he had to go to new york and he was you know it was in october of 1928 that he did this recording session and um they had the film all finished um but he was having issues with the conductor because he had written out this specific score that had all the timing in mind like walt was a genius like he had everything figured out wow but doctor was very famous for doing, you know, um, uh, scoring for theaters. Mm -hmm. So he was he's like, listen, I've been scoring pictures for years. Let me let me handle it. I know what I'm doing. And he didn't he was just having a hard time, a hard time, a hard time. And so it finally got to the point where, you know, the conductor, um, you know, because Walt was just frustrated. And so Pat Powers, the guy who invented Cinephone and the guy who was, you know, kind of you know, letting Walt use the sound equipment was like, listen, let let the conductor do his thing. And if it doesn't go wrong, I'll I'll you know, if it doesn't go right, I'll cover it. I'll mm -hmm. I'll, you know, pay. So it didn't go right. And so finally, uh Stratosky, who is the um the conductor, uh he's like, fine, let me see that thing that you wrote up. And so Walt went to uh to uh to um to Powers and was like, hey, you know, uh I, I just want to make sure, you know, will you know, you're going to cover all the expenses, right? It's like, you know, oh, sure, don't worry about it. I got you. I'll, we'll make sure that all the recording equipment and everything is right. I was like, well, what about the orchestra? Because I got to pay them again. Oh, I didn't say anything about the orchestra. <laughs> wow. So, so he had to end up paying another 1200 bucks, which back in the 20s was oh, ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know everything at the second take just you know hit right on the beat and everybody was happy and then of course on november 18th uh at the colony theater in new york steamboat willie came and it's just it's funny because i i think that story is so appropriate for the show because as producers without a clue we have an idea that 
you know, we always, you know, we, we think we know what's best. And in some cases we do know what's best and it's just getting over the old well, guard. Well, in some cases we luck out, right? Uh, but I mean, we are infants in our careers as producers. And mm. so we don't even know what we don't know yet. So like Walt in that situation of trying to deal with a, the ego of a super accomplished uh composer and stuff when really he probably could have just you know hired uh, a more generic one because he had everything written out himself it's it's an interesting lesson yeah 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 so i it's very cool and i love that story um mickey mouse of course is one of my favorite characters and, what's your favorite um, version of him oh by far i, I got two okay. and i think it's very ironic um, because my two favorite versions of Chucky are what uh, are of Mickey are what I use for Chucky. <laughs> Whoops, Freudian Freud slip. <laughs> yeah, um, um, definitely the 1930s and the 1990s. I love you know 1928 all the way up to like 1939, like right before Fantasia, mm -hmm. which ironically this week celebrated its 80th anniversary. Um, so that the classic. Uh, button-eyed Mickey, the pie-eyed Mickey, you know, that whole era of the, you know, the, the classic Mickey Mouse cartoons yeah. uh, are my favorite. Plus, the 1990s when they brought in the, you know, the new guard. They brought in Wayne Allwine, Rusey Taylor, Bill Farmer, Tony Anselmo to, you know, to voice the characters again. And they just revitalized them in a way that they desperately needed and the cartoons that they were making in that. I mean, I love the Prince and the Pauper. I love runaway brain, the theatrical shorts, I think are by far my favorite. Yeah. Um, you know, that incarnation, I loved Mickey mouse works when it was on TV. I thought the writing was smart. I thought it was funny. The animation itself wasn't exactly the best that it could be, but I thought that the writing was very, very, very smart. Kind of like what they're doing today with, with Mickey Mouse in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and then House of Mouse, I thought was just a brilliant show. One of the, you know, one of the best things that ABC did for Disney. And it's sad that it's not on Disney Plus yet. What's going on? Um, yeah, it's kind of um, funny what what they have up there and what they don't. But yeah. I mean, I guess they they have some kind of master plan for it. But I mean, they have France making new Doug on there, which was originally a Nickelodeon show. Yeah, that Disney licensed from Jim Jenkins. It was like, let's make new episodes for ABC. But they don't have the show on ABC that starred their own character. Yeah, I don't know. I don't um, know. Uh, my favorite design of Mickey is from uh, uh, Fun and Fancy Free, where okay. the the um, the short with the giant. Yeah, yeah, Mickey and the Beans. Yeah, so I I just I love that that design. It feels very very well thought out, uh, posable. Um, yeah, that that's the one that speaks to me. Um, I do like I do like the approach that Mercury is taking with how well they're animating the new shorts of Disney uh, with Mickey Mouse. I don't know that I like the design, but I like how well it's animated. 
like it's it's got a lot of uh, snappiness, a lot of overshoot and settle, all kinds yeah. of great uh, great visualizations of all the twelve principles. I, mm-hmm. As a fan of classic Mickey, it's just really hard to take that almost Mr. Magoo kind of style, yeah. right? And accept well, that as Mickey Mouse. Because it's it's funny because Paul Rudish, who's producing the shorts, uh, took the classic Mickey Mouse and stylized it in his design. And it, on one hand, it's it works, but then on another hand, it doesn't. Like, there are just... I, I hate over-exaggeration. I mean, I think exaggeration is good in animation. Um, I'm going to sound horrible here. I've never been a fan of Tex Avery and his wild takes. Oh, you're you going to get hate I, mail. I know. Hate mail. I, I love Tom and Jerry. I love Tom and Jerry. I wasn't a fan of Screwy Squirrel. I wasn't a fan <laughs> of, you know, all of the... I mean... I mean I loved Droopy, but I hated the wolf. You know, I, I just, I, I mean, they're funny. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're masterfully animated and beautiful cartoons, but I think that there were some things that they, they, you can overkill it is what I'm trying to say. And they overkill it. I mean, I, today they released the wonderful world of Mickey Mouse on Disney plus. And, um, Oh, really? I'm going to have to check that out. I didn't know. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So to, to be honest with you, if you've seen those classic Mickey Mouse shorts, they literally made them now eight minutes in length. So the first two, one is uh, Mickey as a cowboy. And then the second is, which I thought was kind mm. of fun. They uh, they took the the house of the future from classic vintage Disneyland mm-hmm. and they updated it with Mickey, Donald and Goofy. Cool. And it's sad because what I'm trying to do with Chuck E. Chicken is pretty much what Disney is doing right now with Mickey Mouse. So again, it's kind of like I can't watch these cartoons because then I'm gonna be getting hate. Like you copy the Mickey Mouse cartoons. I'm like, no, yeah, yeah. You know, that's something all artists have to be mindful of. Um, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. Almost Mm -hmm. all of the podcasts I listen to are of stand-up comics who have their own uh, podcast. Shout out to your mom's house. Um, So. I hear them talk about you have to be careful about watching other sets because when you're trying to come up with your own original creations, things leak in. And I can relate to that because as a, as an animator, you're, you tend to be a fan of animation. So you want to go watch whatever new stuff comes out at the same time. How much of it do you let, uh, seep into your style how you approach it and it can be a tricky fine line you know it, you know recently i yesterday i was starting to do some new designs for tommy turkey because um which i'll, I'll show a little later um i may have to go back and redo them because i um i was referencing an older peg lake pete oh, uh, yeah, model yeah. sheet yeah and i love because because the new direction that we're going with Tommy is, um, you know, as I mentioned before, he was always kind of a good guy that looked like a bad guy. So now to take out, because unfortunately, as smart as the audience is, they can also be very dumb if you don't explain it to them. Yeah. So we took out the guy and just kind of made him uh, a, a dumb, bad guy, kind of like Pig Lake Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, show Bible, 
it specifically says, think if Falkhorn, Lakehorn, and Pink Lake Pete had a baby, that's Tommy Turkey. <laughs> so so I was looking at some older model sheets of, of Pete and, you know, I, I, you know, kind of, you know, going over and redesigning, you know, Tommy Turkey using Pete as a model. And I just didn't like it. It looked way too much like Peg Lake Pete. I'm like, oh, my God, people are just going to look at this and go, wow, you're just straight up copying Disney, aren't you? <laughs> So I got to go back and redo it. And it's just, it's hard because you, you obviously want to pay homage, especially with a show like mine, where you're paying homage to, you know, uh, an era of animation that you love and adore. You're trying so hard to copy, you know, the methods um, as well as, you know, some of the, the formulas Mm -hmm. that made those cartoons so special. But then at the same time, the twist is, you know, they're your own characters. They're different personalities. They're different, you know, uh, performers and different actors that are now taking over the same roles that your their idols before them did. Yeah, kind of like time suits in a way. Yeah. So, um, so that and and that route. I mean, it just it, it's it is difficult. It is that fine line. Um, but one more piece of of animation news that I wanted to talk about yesterday: the new Tom and Jerry movie trailer dropped. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? I haven't seen it yet. It's been on my list of things to watch today. Um, every mm-hmm. night when I go to bed, I make a list of like what I want to follow up with the next day. I just haven't gotten to that point yet. So uh, go ahead well, and spoil I'm... it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I was worried going into this trailer and when they announced that they were doing a Tom and Jerry live action animated movie, I'm like, oh my God. How many more? Like, you've already ruined Scooby-Doo. You've ruined the Smurfs. You've ruined Alvin and the Chipmunks. You've ruined Garfield and Yogi Bear, Woody Woodpecker. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what you do with Tom and Jerry. And I was remarkably pleasantly surprised. They, it looks like Tom and Jerry literally popped out of the cartoons and are in the real world. So they were done in 3D with a lot of tune shading textures, right? Okay, yeah. Yes, but the way that they are animated, and I swear, like, they, what I love about it is, and you'll see in the trailer, they went back and they studied their stuff. They studied how Tom ran when he was chasing after Chip. Like the, the, the just to kind of get an idea, so you know, um, Tom and Jerry kind of split ways, and then years later they meet up, and Jerry is living in this hotel, and there's this wedding of the century that's going to be taking place, and he of course is kind of making havoc as a mouse. So they hire this girl who is kind of like security slash the exterminator, and you know, well instead of hiring exterminator, why don't we get you know, a mouse's natural predator, which is a cat, and that's where they hire Tom. <laughs> yeah. And there's this very cute scene where Tom and Jerry see each other for the first time, and Jerry just starts laughing because <laughs> we, we, we've been down this road for years and years and years. And then the classic Tom and Jerry type of chase where Tom lunges a cherry, and they're doing this whole, like, and Jerry moved his mouse hole and Tom just slams into the wall. Oh, cool. They did it right. Yeah. They did it right. It, they're not trying to jam 
you know, these, you know, they're not, they're not trying to jam the real world down the cartoon characters throats. Yeah. They're putting the cartoon characters in the real world and letting them do their thing. Yeah. And I think it's so smart and it's so well, done. I mean, there's, there's this one scene where Tom is running and you literally, if you pause it, you can see that they put multiple versions of Tom's feet in the run cycle. It's yeah. like, it's done. It's a 2d film. Which I think I, I is brilliant, and I, they're very very smart. Because Scoob did not go well this year. I mean, it's Scoob. I, I I don't know what the numbers were, but I heard it didn't I do didn't very well. I didn't see any of it. I've mm-hmm. I almost like I didn't care, <laughs> so I I just didn't. Right. Yeah. So and speaking of Scoob, if you hear howling, yeah. that's my neighbor's. But name, I mean, so the issue for me is like I've. I've gotten my hopes up and just been burned every time. So now I almost, I don't care until I hear enough people around me go, you have to see it. And then right. I'll go watch it. Um, right. You know, cause there's, there's been many times. I mean, I, I grew up on Woody Woodpecker. Um, mm-hmm. Love that cartoon when I was a kid. And when I saw the live action, my daughter loves it. And when mm-hmm. I saw it, I had seen it. Uh, after a couple films that kind of burned me with expectations, so I didn't go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. Um, And I watched it, and they got a couple things pretty good, but, I mean, overall, I was like, oh, another one, you know? (laughs) Um, I think think after Sonic the Hedgehog, because that movie for me, like... Even if you're not a fan or you don't know who Sonic the Hedgehog is, you now know who Sonic the Hedgehog is because the fans, myself included, destroyed the first trailer that came out. Because the same thing, they said we're going to make Sonic, we're going to yeah. make him more realistic, gonna, you know, we're going to put him in the human world. I'm like, don't do that. Why? And even the creators in Japan and Sega were like, that ain't right. Yeah. <laughs> And there was such a huge uproar. I know we gotta. We probably gotta get going here, don't we? Or no, go ahead. Oh, oh sorry. No, I'm you, I'm shifty because I've got throbbing back pain today, so it's me just too. me trying to get yeah. temporary relief. I, yeah, I know. I've I've been dealing with lower back pain, and now my right leg is kind of hurting a little bit too. So yeah, yeah, but. Um, so, I mean, and I think now Hollywood is starting to get it where you don't need to make cartoon characters look realistic. Keep them as freaking cartoon characters, for God's sake. Well, don't. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't make Mickey Mouse a live-action mouse, nor would you make Bugs Bunny a live-action rabbit. You would just keep them the way that they are. Well, you don't you know? offer Do- somebody a glass of lemonade and then pour it through a Brita filter and then serve it to them, Right. Like people love lemonade because it's lemonade. You love Tom and Jerry because of all the tropes of Tom and Jerry. Leave them in the film. Build the film around them. Don't don't change them to fit in the film. That's not Tom and and Jerry. Right. And I think they they got it. And I'll tell you why. Not that many people remember Yogi Bear. Not that many people remember the Smurfs or Woody Woodpecker, but Everybody knows Tom and Jerry. Everybody loves Tom and Jerry. I mean, I I love Tom and Jerry. I mean, Mm -hmm. I grew up with those two characters. I mean, I went and I saw the first 
movie in theaters uh, back in 92 when I was four years old. I mean, I, I love those characters. They don't talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't talk yeah. in this one. It's brilliant, you know? Yeah, two, uh, two characters that's sort of difficult to build a feature film around when they don't talk. Yeah. 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 They do it. And to be honest with you, if you really think about it, uh, Tom and Jerry are really the the last remnants of, of vintage Hollywood. I'm not talking classic. I'm talking vintage, like the the old black and white silent comedy trio or duos. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, they don't talk. They use pantomime. They they let the their actions. They they you know they, they don't need to talk. Yeah. They don't need it. They you they are perfect just the way they are. And they finally nailed that. They they figured out, okay, we cannot mess up Tom and Jerry. They are on a, they are on thin ice as it is with everybody else. Yeah. If they mess up Tom and Jerry, they're done. You know, just put a for sale sign yeah. over. Well, if you've noticed a lot of animated films for the past I don't even know how many years, have not done well. There was a time in the 90s when every single animated film that came out was a huge moneymaker. It it didn't even matter if it was good. Just put it in theaters and people were going to go. But that was during the time of CGI being still a novelty, right? right? Everybody was going down that road. But now the audience has grown up. They've had their own kids who have grown up from infancy with CGI and all the, all those visual things. So, you know, the market is so different now. It's just so different. So it's really tough to make a CGI based uh, animated film. You really got to concentrate on story. It doesn't have to make you cry, but it should keep you captivated. Right. You know, a beautiful story will take you on a journey through all of your emotions uh, mm-hmm. while staying true to the character. But it's so much harder to do than you think. A lot of people think, well, just hire a really good writer. They know what they're doing. And yeah, but the problem is in that universe, there are laws, meaning right. there, are, there are rules of how that character has to act, mm-hmm. right? And you throw that character in certain situations and it, it's really hard to write the appropriate response right. and have it on screen feel natural. You Correct. Know? And I think, I, think, uh, I think a few films have done a good job. I, I love the Hotel Transylvania films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've done a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. Um. But it, and I'm not a fan of the reboots. I had Nick Ranieri on my other podcast, drawn to it, and we were talking about the reboots and just like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why are there these reboots of classically animated films, and now there's a live action or a oh, live oh. A, a mock live action, totally CGI reboot? I I will I will say this. I went and I saw the Lion King the the reboot in theaters. So you're part I, of the problem. No 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 no. Hold on. I walked out. Uh, I walked out after. Oh, who's a good boy? 
I <laughs> I walked out after just can't wait to be king. I walked out. I went to the I went to get services and I said, I want my money back. Yeah, that movie sucked. As if it's money. their fault too, right? <laughs> like, listen, you, you know, popcorn well, slinging. Shit in their movie theaters. It is their fault. Yeah. Well, I guess I, it is. Yeah. By the well, way, movie theaters. Movie <laughs> theaters might be a thing of the past now. I'm praying that's not the case. I mean, I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, get rid of the movie theaters. You don't really. It's like, no, don't. Do not get rid of the movie theaters. I mean, that's like getting rid of radio. That's like getting rid of television. Yeah. I mean, there are certain. I mean, that's like getting also getting rid of live theater. You know, the, the theater is such. There is something magical about seeing a film with a large group of people in a theater space. There is something. Well, I, I agree with you. I went to see the original Lion King with my sister, who at the time was, I think, somewhere around eight or nine. And I mm -hmm. went with my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, because I put a ring on it. Nice. Um, we brought her in. We sat down. And I remember not wanting to be there. It was one of those things where I was trying to spend quality time with her. But in that moment, I, I didn't want to. Like, I wasn't. I wasn't in the mood for what was about to happen. Right. But then when that opening sequence with the ant on the branch and the, the I don't know, the cranes flying and, and stuff, whoa, like I, I got emotional. I'm like, what yeah. am I looking at? This like is unbelievable. I, I had never, up until that point, even Secret of Nim was stellar visually. Um, story was cool too, but visually was like, wow. But this was like, wow, you know, because it, it proved what an artist and a group of artists can do with, with one of these. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I mean, like this is, this right here is the ultimate tool for any artist. And that picture showed the power of the pencil and yeah. the power of not just the pencil, but of the essence of animation, I think can be summed up in that opening sequence for the Lion King, the music, the colors, the angles, the, the, the close attention to not just making the animals look realistic, but also the stylized animals. Because you can have a character like Rafiki, who is a very designed and very stylized mandrill, walking amongst these realistic-looking animals, and it works. Yeah, and it, it was amazing. You know, amazing. It, it just, yeah, and it's still, I watch it today, and I still tear up and even thinking about it. It's just, it's a beautiful film. Now, that experience, if you're not in a theater, if you're at home, you're going to need like a 65 inch or bigger <laughs> yeah. to really get that impact. Sound. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of that. Like I, um, I, I, I didn't go see frozen in the theaters and I'm kind of sad because I, I really wanted to, but um, it's the only reason because of get a horse, the Mickey mouse cartoon mm -hmm. that came because that movie is built for the theater. Yeah. That movie 
you watch it in the theater, you get the full experience. Yeah. That, I think, is the perfect it's, environment. It's almost too much built for theater because of those 3D-friendly shots, forced mm -hmm. perspective shots and that. And I really don't like when movies go out of their way to make something look super 3D when you're watching them. You know, right. it, it just feels so forced. Right. Um, like Avatar did that so much. No, but, those, uh, those... but you're right. The movie was built for theaters because of that 3D aspect. Right. Yeah. And just the fact of like the 2D characters in black and white popping out of the screen. Yeah. And into color and 3d and that when i saw get a horse i was like you know what it's so funny because every time i showed that to people um you know they they said the same thing mike we don't want to watch this stupid mickey mouse cartoon but then that scene where the characters literally popped out of the screen they were like oh yeah. <laughs> like whoa don't turn this off wait a minute <laughs> we gotta see this you know yeah oh it's <laughs> Clockwork, and every time I could, I, you could literally, you know, time it, and you you knew exactly when and what they were going to say. That scene where the water was draining out, and Mickey and Minnie are on the stage, and they go, "Wow, if you did something like this, that would be amazing." Yeah, <laughs> like, it's super okay. cool, super cool, and a lot of hard work went into that. Um, in other animation news, have I, I was just reading about this this morning, actually, a mm -hmm. company called Webtoon. Have you ever heard of them? Yes, they're the, uh, the motion graphic comic company. So they've just opened up a whole production division. And I found that to be quite interesting because it might be yet another rung in the ladder for people like ourselves who are trying to make that climb with our own properties. And it might be another potential ally that uh, if we, if we do a good enough job and pitch the idea, it's another Avenue that, that might have a friendly ear willing to listen. Um, I'd be down. Yeah. So that got me quite excited. I, I love hearing about smaller companies that open up these uh, production wings and, you know, now, historically they haven't lasted long because i i think they end up proving to be so much more expensive than people considered um right but i mean still it's another avenue there's hope yeah um i i i heard about that too and that got me excited i'm i think what we need now and this is just me we need a YouTube for animation. That's what we need. Oh, like that that's, would be I, so I mean, cool. that's right. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Cause like, if you know, just hypothetically, like if you call it like tune tube or something like that, or YouTube yeah. or something like that, it's, it's a platform where animators are given, like if it's their own, it's, it's literally if they did YouTube animate, mm -hmm. And they were like, okay, we're going to take all, you know, the best animators on our platform, or we're going to, you can submit ideas to us and we can give you the funds, give you the money, give you the time that you need to make high quality content exclusively for our platform. Then, you know, I would even would be, be happy with maybe them 
not giving money, I don't think that's going to be realistic when you think about how many people are going to apply, but with them screening your ability to get an account so that not every Tom, Dick, and Harry can get one. You have to prove that you are delivering a product uh, a product that is quality driven and not right. just putting up whatever youtube is for whatever right but well and youtube is also doing that now because uh they recently because of you know idiots that won't be mentioned on this particular chance a show because i don't want to sully the name of our work and what we're doing with those morons but youtube has whoa big uh, words you know me. I, I got a. <laughs> I know your potty mouth. It's horrible. <laughs> Ugh, those darn, gosh darn, no good fart knockers. Let me tell you, those mother truckers. Oh um, my god! If we blow up, we have to sell merch that says "fart knockers." A T-shirt just says "fart knockers," a mug, the whole thing, and then, and then on the reverse side, it will have like our caricatures on the back. I love it. You got to <laughs> That's great. Um, you, YouTube has instilled like this new policy where you need a minimum of a thousand subscribers and um, a minimum of four thousand hours of watch time yeah. in order to even get considered for yeah, the. Yeah, that's the a ball breaker. Program. Let me tell you. What was that? That's a ball breaker. It takes a while to get that. I'm, I'm, I look at my logistics every day on our on the channel, and we're sitting right now, as of today, I can actually show you right now. I'm not sponsored by them, but the YT Tracker app on your phone. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so we're currently at 221 subscribers and 91 hours of watch time. It shows you, like, it's a really cool little app. Like, yeah. it shows you, like, far you need. This is and, for like, your you Chucky are. Chicken channel. Yes. Yeah. Yes, this is for the Chucky Chicken channel. Now we could, you, you know, you could do this for any channel. You can, it's a, it's a free app. Again, we're not sponsored, but hey, no. YT Tracker, if you want, hit, hit us up. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll be more than happy to sponsor you guys or be sponsored, and we'll sing your praises. Um, it's great because it also allows you to do promotions. Like you can literally make stickers um, that say, you know, uh, for example, so far in 2020. This is what we've got. Right. You know? Cool. Like we've gotten 153 subscribers. Uh, we've uploaded three videos. We've gotten 77 hours watched. Can you and 3,000? Can you upload your own artwork as a sticker? Yeah. Oh, that's dope. That's right. Yeah. I said dope in that hip <laughs> way, even though I'm 45. Try so hard. Yeah. He's American free. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. Gee, gee golly, that's really neat. <laughs> but I mean, that is but cool. Yeah. You can set up a whole badge reward system. That is, uh, I love that idea. I'm going to look into that as if I got yeah. time, but. YT Tracker. Okay. You know, that, that's the, it's great for all those upcoming because um, here's the deal as a content creator yeah it's it's that unique blend of you know knowing you know the creative aspect but then also knowing the business aspect 
You know? Oh, they only have it as an app for your phone or tablet, right? Not for desktop. Correct. I, see, Correct. I don't have a cell phone. I have a tablet, but it's a real crap one. So I'm oh, going to have to upgrade so before I get it. Cool. I'm going to look into that. Okay. Yeah. You don't have a cell phone? I don't have a cell phone because I can't friggin' afford it. I got four kids and a wife. So if I get a cell phone, I got to get at least the wife a cell phone, okay? Now, she has you a cell phone, to... but no plan, okay? Do you want me to, like, send you the extra ones that I have? I have, like, five. They're, like, 10 years old each, but, you know. Well, no, because they, <laughs> won't, they won't work. You won't be able to do anything with them. Like, even Look when you try to download apps, it says this OS isn't supported, especially oh, Apple. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. but I appreciate I the know, offer. This is the only Apple product, you know, except for the Mac that I'm yeah. recording this on. But, but I mean, I love Samsung. you make a great point. As producers, you find you have to track things like analytics and that type of thing because you need to know when to pivot. You know, and right. analytics will help you decide when you're going down the wrong path or the right path. Once you let it go for like you need you need a stretch of time to measure. Right. right? So. Right. Once you get that, you can really start fine tuning your efforts that much. I've learned. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just I haven't gotten to that point where I have enough uh, information yet to really give me an educated compass direction on where i need to pivot so right but yeah that's uh well, that's good well it, it is cool and i'll tell you this um uh my best friend and business partner aaron barogan and i in last year um when we decided that we were going to focus our efforts on getting chucky e. chicken out there um one of the things that because he, he, he went to school for marketing mm -hmm. and he went to school for brand awareness and all that stuff. And he said, the one thing that you got to do now is you got these great characters, you got these shorts, you got all this stuff that you've done for a number of years. Now you got to go and get people out there interested in it. And he said, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> goes, how do you, you do that? You, yeah. You go and you make new content and you follow social media trends in a way where, for example, uh, Chucky chicken and his friends celebrated virtually every holiday this year mm. we did a gift for for the lunar new year we did one for the super bowl we did one for king's day in the netherlands which we've never celebrated but this year we did um easter we did one for the fourth of july we did one for mermay which was one of our big ones you know because uh, every may you know i saw you mermaids. did a great one for kwanzaa Yes. <laughs> yeah. I... <Shush>! <laughs> <laughs> You're working on our holiday lineup right now. Sorry. <laughs> but th that is a good point though. You need to be yeah. you need to be Kevin Smith is uh uh somebody who I've always enjoyed his take on marketing. And if you listen to him a lot, he'll always say, you got to be where the puck is going, which is something Wayne Gretzky has been quoted as being the creator of that, of that tagline or his father or something. You got to be where the puck is going. And I love that. But the problem is it's hard to think that way all the time because you, like I know for me, I want my creation to be a certain thing, right? 
if right. if I'm trying to steer it to where, where the puck is going, it feels like I'm taking it away from that original vision I had for it. Oh, no, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Like with Chucky Chicken, I was so headstrong about making him black and white, no sound, no color, that it took an industry person to be like, that ain't going to fly. If you want to make money with that, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, well, it's not about making money. It's about making good art, making good cartoons. And he said, well, if that's what you want to do, then YouTube's a great future for you. But, you know, I mean, it's it's you won't get very far because even people on YouTube won't want to watch it until fucking Bendy came along and changed all of that. But, hey, I'm not bitter. Um, <laughs> not at all. Nope. Freaking Cuphead. Yeah. You, got a, you got a little you got a little bitter on your face right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. That's the, the dark shadow. Right, right. My dark side. Um, but I mean, it, it, it's true. Like you, you have an, a vision for these characters, but then as time goes on, they evolve. Yeah. They change. Yeah. They become better. And then you look back and you go, oh my God, what was I thinking trying to do it that way? You're a hundred percent correct. Yeah. And that's where I'm at right now with um, the marketing for... Mm -hmm basically everything I'm working on is I'm, I'm trying to uh, give up the stubborn headstrong where I, how I wanted to do it versus what makes the most sense. Right. Uh, so I'm right. in that phase of researching and pivoting and that type of thing. But I mean, that's, that's an ego thing. You're wrestling with your own ego. You want, you want it done your way because you think it's cool, blah, blah, blah. Right. And that works for some people, um, but the smarter people know when to change direction and weave around uh, things and that type of thing. Challenge um, but also get people that know, because you don't know everything. You don't know, you know, even creatively, like you, like if you don't know how to draw a proper background or you don't know how to make a background, you're you're not going to make a cartoon and put your own background in it knowing it's garbage. That's you're going right. to be like, okay, I need to find somebody who can paint. I got to find somebody who knows this more than I do and give them my vision, yeah. tell them what I want. And then using their amazing talents and your amazing talents at characters or whatever, you put it together and magic is made. Yeah. And that's the beauty of animation and the magic of film in general. Yeah. It's not just one person, despite what internet is, people will tell you it's not just one person no. and it's like any dummy with a camera can go out and i mean again you had this you said this years ago it's, it's like oh any dummy can go out with the film and make a you know a, a stupid vlog and get a million subscribers but then you look and you see well no there's actual like motion graphics there's you know logos there you know there's a lot of thought that goes into these videos yeah. and there is a lot of work that goes into it. You, you can't degradate it, you know, no, and even it's, with, because uh, yeah. I mean, everybody out there is hating on YouTubers, right? But YouTubers are the actors of the new media. Yeah. You know, every so many years, there's, especially now, there's going to be a new media. We're going to be coming up on holographic media. There's going to be holographic oh. presenters. You're going to have, uh, who knows? You can't. It's it's so unknown. You can't even speculate, right? 
Uh, just yeah, like bring- when I was in high school, I never would have guessed that I could pull out of my back pocket basically a Star Trek pad that I used to see when they would hand the pad to the captain. He'd go, beep, boop, boop, boop. Okay, go for it. You know, how many things we saw in Star Trek are basically here now, right? So it started with the flip phone. Everybody's like, oh, my God, just like Captain Kirk. Watch, I do it one-handed. Woohoo!" <laughs> you know? But the truth is the technology changes and it drives new media. So YouTubers right now are the actors and performers of new media. And just like every industry, you have to succeed to keep doing it if if you if you are horrible at it you're not going to get too far and you know you're you're not gonna you're not gonna reach that that stardom level right um i i like to think is youtube is as vaudeville it's the new vaudeville if you yeah, think about it's it. digital vaudeville that's a great way it's of putting it yeah you know because got everything you know for for our listeners who don't know what the hell vaudeville is vaudeville is the precursor to the movies and to radio where you literally went to a theater you paid a fee and you got a variety show yeah and if you were on vaudeville bill you traveled into vaudeville theaters and you told stand-up comedian you know stand-up jokes or you did singing or tricks or you know all sorts of like a high school talent show but much better produced. Yeah. 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 And um, a lot of the. We're talking about it of... as if we've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were there. We were I there. was on the yeah. with George Burns and Jack <laughs> Benny. I mean, Forrest Day. I knew him yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> Red Skelton and I used to go heckle George. We used to put fake cigars in his box when he let them up. Yeah. Poof, hysterical. Yeah. yeah. We laughed, laughed. We got kicked out of the, you know, we got kicked out of Poughkeepsie, (laughs) Hoboken, you know. I tell you, some of these countries where they, or countries, cities, where they had vaudeville houses, you know, you know, we went up to Topeka, then we went up to Poughkeepsie, then we went to Kokomo, and then we went to Cucamonga. Where are these? Yeah, but you know what? Those same cities are being talked about now, especially in stand up circles. I mean, yeah. I mean, God, how many times have you heard heard of Artie Lang saying, "Yeah, I'll be in Hoboken," uh, you know, because he's your classic Jersey guy, right? Uh, yeah, I'll be in Hoboken. Blah blah. There, all these cities have always been perform live performance friendly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a time when people lined up just to go see animated shorts in theaters because mm-hmm. they were so new, um, oh, especially yeah. with sound, right? Oh, the Mickey Mouse cartoons. I mean, again, what a day to talk about it. The Mickey Mouse cartoons a lot of times got top billing on marquees because everybody wanted to go see Mickey Mouse. And I think it's funny because if you look back at that period of history, you – because not only did the the big studios make the films, but they owned the theaters – that they showed the films in. So they had guaranteed numbers and guaranteed production, you know, and and so you had to choose like, hmm, where am I going to spend my dime today? Am I going to go to the Columbia or am I going to go to the Warner's, you know? And Disney 
paired up with uh, RKO and they, you know, they went to the RKO theaters. I mean, Disney, Disney didn't have distribution of his own at that time. You know, there, there was just everything that Disney has today. If you think about it, they only have had it for maybe at most 40 years. Yeah. It wasn't until Michael Eisner, Frank Wells, Jeffrey Katzenberg, Roy E. Disney, and that huge Disney renaissance that they had where they legit were like, okay, we don't have this. We're going to make it. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. Cut to Iger, buy this, buy that, buy this, buy that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and now they own virtually everything. It's funny. We joke about it today, but that's fairly new. Yeah. And so if you think about it, like those companies, you know, and those studios, they own the theaters. And so the Mickey Mouse cartoons were huge, you know, and then Mickey Mouse was on one bill or Bugs Bunny was on another bill or Popeye for Paramount. I mean, it just, it's, they were treated. That's why they're so revered because they were movie stars. Yeah. And I think that's what's so sad about today's culture or, or today's, you know, film industry. We don't have something like that. Well, really. what's, what's the equivalent of that today? So say tomorrow you've got your Chucky Chicken pilot all ready to go where I've got me seeing mm-hmm. Dusty or there's another creator out there that has their pilot ready to go. They just wrapped the last day of production on it. It's fully comped, canned, good to go. Where do where do they take that? Well, the first step, obviously, is social media. And is that is okay? So, my counter to that is: are companies not wanting to take interest in properties that have been blasted for free on social media? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I've seen it bite people in the butt, but I don't know. I would say no. I would say no, and I'll tell you why. Because the Annoying Orange started off as a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. got a show on Nickelodeon for a period of time, and then when it ran off on Nickelodeon, he went straight back into YouTube and is now bigger and better than ever. Right? Has been Hotel and Vivian Madrano and her work. You know, she is smart because she has two shows. Has been hotel and hell of a boss. Mm-hmm. Has been hotel, picked up, ready to be produced by A24 Studios. She can't talk about that with people. Hell of a boss. It's on YouTube. The first official episode went out on Halloween. People are they, there's more episodes coming out fairly soon for YouTube audiences. So I'm curious. That's, did I, she pitch a full episode, or did she pitch a Bible? Yes. She, Vivian Madrano with Haspen Hotel, what she did was she went and she wrote the script. She storyboarded it out. She hired actors. She went online and, and got all of these animators from the internet community and said, yo, I'm making this show. Um, she got a Patreon. She, I don't know if she did a, a Kickstarter for it. I don't think she did. I think she, because she had been doing um, her own thing on YouTube. She did a um, 
an animated music music video of the of the song Die Young. Okay, so Kesha. you've just walked into the point I was trying to set up is that mm-hmm. she had some kind of audience already built up. Right. Um, which we do not. I mean, we have like microscopic, right? Yeah. So like Chucky Chicken. I'm, I yeah. I think to have any kind of audience that matters from uh, uh, acquisitions point of view, you got to be somewhere in fifty thousand. I think. Well, think of it this way. You know, there was an app called Vine for a very, very, very long time. And there were these, uh, they call, they were called Viners. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the reason why, if you go and you put a Vine compilation in YouTube, the reason why those videos are no more than seven seconds long is because Vine required it to be just a very quick seven-second video mm-hmm. that caught your attention, and then it had one gag, one punchline, and that was it. Yeah. Well, these... Viners, you know, took it. I mean, it, it. You know, TikTok is the new Vine. Basically, yeah. You know? So all, when Vine shut down, all of these people went from Vine, moved over to YouTube, and all of their followers went over and followed them on YouTube. And pretty soon, you have like dozens of channels reaching a million, two million subscribers overnight yeah. because of their built audience on a different platform. So that's the thing. Like, what is the best platform for animators? So that's, the question we're, we're asking right now is um, sort, sort of like, uh, okay, how do I phrase this? The question I want to ask is not is there a God, but where did God come from? Okay. So if you're asking, is there a God, that's sort of like, did you have an audience, right? Where did God come from is how did you get your audience? Right. What, what steps, what was your journey to accumulate the trust of each audience member who signed on one, one by one until it built up into this, this thing because people are only going to give you their time if they trust that you respect them enough to give them quality content. Right. So, so yeah, where did God come from? How do you get that audience? Oh, you're asking. Well, I'm asking the universe. And if you know, then, you know, share, come on now, share. The the only thing, I, I can only say what I know and how I got my audience that I have now. You know, it came from, um, it came from having a, a a passion and sharing that passion with everybody yeah. for going out and essentially, you know, making the the, the Facebook page and making the Instagram channel and making the content and just putting it out there and the trial and error of, you know, not necessarily knowing how important certain aspects of that stuff is, you know, like I made a friend of mine made the first Chuck E. Chicken page in 2009. 
you know, she still moderates it even to this day. Mm. And she hasn't done crap on it. <laughs> like, I think she's and I can't even get in there because I, I, I haven't reached out to her in a long time, but I'm just like, Oh, okay. This is weird. Yeah. Um, but there's still all these fans on there that are, it starts with family and friends. Yeah. Number one. And it's like, okay. If your family and friends like it, that's a big part of the battle. Cause I've had, is it though? Like is it? it I've it, always it, thought of that as like, as like, when you're when you're a little kid and you want to go swimming at the beach, that's like don't go past your waist, you know. That's family and friends. You need to go past the safety reef to know if you can really do it, right? No, no, no. I, I get that, but like that's where it starts because if your family and friends like it, then they're gonna go check out what my son did or check out what my brother did. Yeah, or check that's out true. What my best I mean, people did. talk. And then, Right. And yep. then they like, they go, oh my God, I got to share this with somebody. And then pretty soon the ripple effect happens yeah. and that one person turned into a hundred people, which turned into 10,000 people. And it all and comes down to quality. You've got to really have, so you got to give it your all, you know, right. and keep growing it. Uh, perseverance, right. determination, all that stuff factors into it, but you got to care about it. You can't be in it for the riches, right? It doesn't work that way. You got to be in it because no. you love it. And then right. if it's meant to be, it's going to happen, right? Because um, you can always yeah. tell. Yeah. yeah. We, we're at that point right now where, you know, a couple weeks ago we were talking about you know, this cartoon that we're working on right now for Chuck and Chicken. And the idea, of course, percolated and it grew and it becomes something super cool. And then I had to go and I had to chop it and then rework it and, you know, make it something better. And then when we found out, you know, in its basic form, okay, here's where it is. This is what we need to do. Now, the tough part is going and making it happen and finding the people to help you do it, yeah. you know, because if I did all the animation by myself, I can guarantee you it would not get done by Christmas because I can't do that the way that I want it to be yeah. done, which is why I have four or five people helping me animate this cartoon, which is why I have two people helping me with the backdrops, you know, this, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm focused on doing the, you know, we reached out to a, a, a group of carolers on YouTube and asked if we could use their songs. Yeah. And they said, go for it. They're going to advertise for us. Which See, is and that's phenomenal. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a cool thing. Yeah. But I couldn't have done that if Chucky didn't have the numbers that he has now. If he didn't have, you know, almost 250 subscribers, he has over a thousand followers on, on Facebook, which mm -hmm. is phenomenal. He has a hundred plus on Instagram but I stick with my strengths. I don't, I mean, I, I'm on, Chucky's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. We're not very active on Twitter. I, I am personally, because that's where I go to find artists. Mm -hmm. And I go, hey, look at your work. Can we collaborate? Because that's like the new Facebook. Yeah. <clears throat> but. Um, I get so exhausted with all the social media <laughs> stuff. I, I mean, I'd be, it's exhausting, man. That's Every time I post a new podcast, it has to go to Facebook, and 
Instagram. I have to make a clip version, which has to go to Facebook and Instagram. They all have to go to Twitter. And it's like that, like, you know. And it, it can be very, it's, it's different. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Because it's like, not, not only do you make the stuff, but as an entrepreneur, you're the director, you're the producer, you're the lead artist, you're the editor, you are also the advertiser, you're the marketing department, you're the PR department, you're, you know, you're everything all rolled up into one and you're wearing all of these hats. Yeah. And it's like, okay, got to take off the creative hat, put on the marketing hat and go and do it. But that's, that's the hard work. That's, that's the part that the animation, you know, that's, that's what I was saying earlier, where it's like there's the creative side that we all love. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, I love making these cartoons. We love, you know, building these stories and making these come to life. But then there's the business side, which is the icky side, which is like, OK, now I got to put my work out there and I got to make sure that I'm hitting every single solitary group. Like I'm not even like it's gotten to a point where I go on Facebook. and If I put up a new Chuck E. Chicken thing, I just type in animation and groups. And I'm clicking and clicking and clicking. Yeah, me too. You know, oh. Me too. And something feels yeah. gross about doing that. But I don't know how. I, I'm not coming to the party empty-handed. I'm coming to the party with something I really think people will enjoy, especially if they're like-minded people, uh, if they're into animation, that type of thing. I'm, I'm offering what I believe to be a quality product. It's certainly something I've put everything into. But it, it still feels gross to go share, 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 share. Because you know it's showing up. It's just, you know, and somebody, oh, my God, what's Brian doing today? Is Oh, my, okay, I get it. Jeez. You know? But, <laughs> but I don't but know how else to go about doing it. But, but that's the thing because what happens is, and I know you've seen this, like your fans and the people who care about you, they like every single one of those posts on, yeah. on whatever group they're on. Yeah. Like you see me, oh, Mike, love my post. Oh, my, like my phone blows up because everybody who I know likes all my stuff on all of these different yeah. groups and platforms that by the end of the day, like, like by noon, I have to recharge my phone. It's a beautiful thing. And then by doing that, what, and then especially with like platforms like Instagram, if you learn how to do hashtags and you learn how to properly learning how to use it is the battle. Yeah. You learn tips and tricks and then you go, okay, if I have an animated cartoon Fox, okay, I got to make sure I put hashtag cartoon, hashtag Fox, hashtag forest, hashtag wild, hashtag cute, hashtag or hashtag scary yeah hashtag girl hashtag what does the fox say and you gotta think <laughs> of all these different things that will attract people to that picture yeah and yes sometimes it's sneaky like i i'm guilty of putting you know hashtag has been hotel hashtag disney hashtag cuphead because that's the kind of audience that i am trying to attract to the Chucky chicken stuff and it works yeah and i get fans of of chucky that i didn't even realize were out there because I just took a stand and my my co-showrunner, Rebecca Rodriguez, sent me a list. And I'll give you this list, too, of all of these applicable hashtags for animation and for film. Oh, awesome. And I put them on. Yeah. So I'll get those to you. Thank you. Um, I'm really upset I didn't do that earlier. I should have. Um, but I will. Get, and it sucks because um, 
there's only a certain amount of hashtags that you could put on Instagram now. You can only do like I think it's thirty. So you got to be smart. Yeah. But a lot of very generic animation focused ones. There's you can pick and choose. Like if you're on Instagram, you use the Instagram ones, or if you're on Facebook, you use the Facebook ones, or Twitter, the Twitter ones, um, YouTube, Patreon, all of those. Um, and then you pick. You do the ones that are specific to your property. Then you do the ones for the platform. Yeah. Then you do the ones for the um, the genre, the medium, and then any kind of you know fun quip or anything that you the type of audience that you want. So, for example, if I was going to do a Chucky Chicken one for Christmas, Chucky Chicken, Christmas Chicken, Chucky, Deck the Halls, okay. Um, YouTube, animation 2D, hand drawn, yeah. tradition, you know, um, Patreon, Instagram, artists on Instagram, and then the final ones would be Disney, Hasbro Hotel, Cuphead, uh, Christmas 2020. Yeah. That's it. And then you put it out there, you hit all the main ones and all the ones that people you know are going to be, what are going to be trending at the time. And then you'd be surprised how many people come and, and follow your stuff and like your stuff. And then what, what I love is the, the fans that you know you absolutely have and absolutely love your work, they're going to go back and they're going to like all of the stuff that you've done before. Yeah. So I've had people who go on, and I love it. I, I, I'm so thankful for it because I, I, I'll be like, oh, my God, I have like 50 uh, 50 Instagram notifications and it's the same person. I'm like, I want a fan. That's fantastic. I've even had one girl um, who is, who's been drawing Chucky chicken fan art and sending it to me. And that just warms my heart. I'm like, Oh my God, that's so, that's so sweet that you're willing to take the time to like, <laughs> yeah, and, that's so cool. You know, she's obviously a young artist, you yeah. know, she, she, her drawing isn't the best, but it's, but still it's, it's very heartwarming. And it's oh, it very... is. I've woken up. I mean, every other morning I wake up and I've got a private email in my either through YouTube or direct through uh, DTIpodcast.com where people are talking about the guest I had on Drawn to It podcast and how they inspired them in a moment that they needed to hear what they had to say. And that, right. that has kept me going. Uh, doing it because I get off on that stuff as a person who has anxiety and depression issues. There are times where I'm looking around for something to grab onto to pull myself out of it. Right. Um, right. And that's why I started the podcast. Cause I figured, well, there must be other people out there and, you know, creative people inspiring other creative people who are on their own journey. Um, right. So, yeah, that's when you get those moments of people saying, I really appreciate what you're doing, and it means a lot to me. And I did this, like fan art. I did this fan art as my way of saying thank you. That, oh, yeah, you put that up on the wall for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And we're collect. We're, we're about to be doing some live streaming now because we're going to be getting into production here with, yeah. with the new tune. And we are going to have a fan art corner. And we're going to have all of those pieces of fan art That's shown. Super cool. For people. I, I, I mean, because that to me is the big, like, I can get any deal. Like, anybody can from Hollywood can go, we want a million dollars 
for for Chucky Chicken, and I will turnly, I will gladly turn them down and say fuck you, because I I will own Chucky Chicken forever. You can license it, but someone who says I want you to have this picture of Chucky Chicken that I drew, I yeah. treasure those. Yeah, those are like because anybody can give you money, but if somebody can give you their talent. And give you their, their well, they're giving you a give... piece of their time. We all have a limited time on this earth, right? If somebody right. takes part of that time to make something just for you based on mm-hmm. something you've made that they're a fan of, you have yeah. to respect and appreciate that. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Well, speaking There's... of new images, what do yes. you have that's new for Chucky e. Chicken? Do you have anything you can screen share? I think I may have something. Um, <laughs> let's take a look. And it here. doesn't matter if it's approved or was approved and now is not approved, you know, because it's important to show the things that don't work out too. So there you go. This this is first uh, one of the uh, one batch of sketches that I've done for mm-hmm. Tommy Turkey, um, and then here's the other. So he's changed quite a bit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so for reference i'll show you the let me see if i can pull up a uh let me see if we can get a couple of pictures of tommy just so you can can i play what if with with what if yeah with his uh design what if instead of the bowler hat you gave him like a comb over that's made of that weird red turkey skin stuff. Uh, not a bad I don't idea. even know what that um, stuff is called. But I've seen turkeys that have that stuff so bad you can only see half of their face. Right. Well, let me show you this. Um, I'm going to show you the progression of Tommy Turkey so that way you can see... Um, so you can see Oh, you know what? Turkeys don't even have that on their head. It kind of folds over their beak. Yeah. That's weird. It looks like a giant snot. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not appealing. Yeah. (laughs) So here's the first version of Tommy Turkey. He's always had that bowl. So I I always want to keep that bowl. I gotcha, yeah. So, and then here's another one that we did of him. It just... We, I tried giving him that, but it just it kind of looked like a the bull sack. I get yeah, lie. yeah. It's hard and, uh, not to have it. Should, <laughs> <laughs> or or he's sticking his tongue out. Yeah, you know this was um, um, a recent er design uh, that we did. Or I did earlier. Simplifying this year, kind of, helped. Right. Yeah. You know, and then this is the the most recent version. I love this version of Tommy. I think yeah, that this too. is, you know, you know, this is a great. I gave him the cigar, you know. I, I, I gave, I kept the bowler hat, trying to work with different yeah. colors. I do need to change the colors because I un- <laughs> inadvertently straight up used Pig, uh, Pete's color from uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, so I need to change it. Right. Um, but if you look at, so there's the evolution of of Tommy as, as he was. And then you move over to where he is, you know, so one thing I can pass on to you, uh, having worked at Disney in the marketing department, I would replace the cigar with something else. Like 
I don't know what, a corn cob or something. But okay. I would get rid of the cigar from a commercial uh, viability point of view. Okay. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Um, again, I, um, yeah, I, I just, <sighs> I figured if it was like an over-exaggerated kind of cigar, like it was just like something that, you know. Messaging. I, I know. Oh, it's crazy, man. It is crazy what you, what they come back with, the notes. Crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, but, um, I mean. I like this cigar because I I never smoked as a kid, and I grew up with, you know, cartoon care. I mean, I used my favorite candy was Popeye's cigarettes when I was a kid. Uh, But I'm just, in today's, uh, Yeah. It's sad. I know. I never smoked either. I love that bottom right head. Oh, yeah. I love that one. With him laughing. Yeah. Yeah. And you can definitely see a lot of Peg Lake Pete in him. You know, it's it's almost. Mm. It doesn't. can you. I, I don't. I mean, I know what you're saying in terms of that jaw. But mm-hmm. I I don't know I th- I think he looks different enough that from Peg Lake Pete. Okay. Yeah. Well, because you've and got then, the slicked back hair, which is yeah. very New York, by the way. That's very Italian on the corner, New York kind of. The oh, slicked absolutely. back. It's not a comb over. It's just everything that's being pushed to the back because right. hey, forget about it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's cool. He's, he's got a beak. He doesn't have that d- dog nose. Um, right. Yeah. I don't know. Does Pe- does Pete wear a boiler? Pete does wear a bowler hat. He Is it boiler or bowler? I, d- I don't bowler. even know the right phrasing. Let me bring up. It's a bowler hat. Peg leg Pete. Oh, I see. Okay. So, yeah. Let me see here. Why do they call him Peg Leg? He doesn't have a peg, he had leg. a peg leg. Well, he doesn't in this version, that's for sure. Um, in the early 30s, he had a, um, a peg um, leg, yeah. After yeah. Steamboat Willie, he was changed a lot to be kind of like a stereotypical fat guy and get the pig leg and I only learned he was supposed to be a cat like this year. Yeah. I, yeah. I had no idea what type of animal he or goofy were. I thought they were the same because their, their nose was sort of drawn the same, like this weird loopy thing on the bottom. Um, well, believe it or not, pig leg Pete is actually the oldest Disney character in existence. He predates Oswald. He actually got his start in the Laughograms as Putrid Pete with Alice and Julius. <laughs> and that and Walt loved that heavy so much that he brought Putrid Pete over to the Oswald uh, cartoons. Right. And so Pete battled it out with Oswald. And then a year later, he became the main heavy of Mickey Mouse yeah. and was re- redesigned from a bear to a cat. So the biggest similarity uh, that I'm seeing is in all of your characters, you have that 
that Mickey Mouse my, uh, my. thing on the, where it, it comes down from their eye into the cheek and then makes the, the jaw line, right? Right. All characters from the 30s had that. It didn't matter what studio was making them. Because um, when you design a character, you need landmarks to build your drawing off of, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, th I think the hat and the cigar is too much. I think you got to pick one. All right. Well, I'll definitely pick the hat then. I'll yeah. get rid of the cigar. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Let me go back to yours here. I yeah, I think if you lose the cigar, and I think it'd be funny to replace it with a corn cob because that's okay. something chickens chickens are always in love with corn, right? Pecking at oh, it. Oh, that yeah, I would. You know what? That'd be so funny. And maybe if he if he lit it like a cigar and it popped like a little popcorn. That's that'd be awesome. Cute. I love okay. that. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, there we go. Yeah. And then here's his new body again. Fatten them up quite a bit. I mean, it's it's close. Um, no, I think you're okay. I think you're all right. I mean, listen, you're talking about body proportions at this point, because uh, you've got you've got turkey feet versus whatever the heck kind of. I mean, he's wearing shoes in most of the right. drawings, right? Right. Uh, proportions and design are not the same thing. They they share space, but it, you can have design elements <clears throat> that are uh, similar. There are so many characters out there with the same body proportions. Right. You know, uh, so I, I wouldn't get hung up on that. I mean, you could say that... Uh, uh, the pirate from Treasure Planet has the same body proportions as Peg Lake Pete. True. You know? Um, That's true. Although Disney owns them both, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you're okay. Um, if anything, I would have a little, maybe exaggerate the tail feathers a bit more. But okay. um, yeah, I, I think you're okay. Um because you're trying to capture the tropes of the 30s, the 30s, 40s animation as well. Right. So, yeah. Well, 30s and 90s, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, okay. Yeah. So, and even in the 90s, they still had, you know, they were still smoking. They were still doing that. So that was why I kind of felt yeah. like, oh, the cigar would be okay. But, I mean, if I'll, if, if people, if, it, if it'll cause that much of a, a, a ruckus. Well, not if you plan to independently produce it forever, but if you're going after funding from any type of investment um, source that is counting on its commercial success to make back their investment, they're going to want right. you to make sure you're coming in underneath all the red flags, right? So they're not going to want to be associated with a kid's property that's promoting smoking. No, right? I get so, but if you're doing it independently, you can do whatever you want. 
which currently I am doing it independently, but... But you're you trying know, to set it. it up to get some sort of commercial success. So it's, yeah, a, it's just, a weird thing. I don't know. Yeah. I have the meetings this week, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. I've got the meetings. So. And just remember, opinions are like assholes, right? So... Everyone's got That's one. That's right. But no, I, you know, it's funny to look back and, and think since we're on the topic of character design and that, and then I, do you, I mean, can I talk about that or, or do you want to just go into what you have? Cause I'm, I'm good either way. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. It's funny because over the course of the 12 plus years that I've been working on the Chucky series, I think the characters that have changed the most have been Chelsea Chicken, Louie Loon, and um, and Chew Chipmunk from a design point of view. Chelsea and, and Louie changed personalities and changed virtually everything about them multiple times. But... Um, but I never, I, you know, with Chucky, he changed physically. I mean, but in little ways, like, you know, putting a shirt on him, giving him color, things like that. Um, the other characters really haven't changed that much until recently this yeah. year. So Evolution, um, man. So it, just, you know. I know. And it's funny because now that I'm thinking about it and, like, just going back and, and thinking like, okay, I got to redo all. Oh, Freddy Fox too. Well, I had the big change from being the Br'er Fox ripoff to, you know, the, the Guido. Italian <laughs> 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 mobster. Yeah. So. so last time I didn't have the cannons in here. Yes. So I have them in now and there will be three nice. on each side. And then I have a little cool. size comparison of right. uh, Captain Boom Bam. So he'd nice. be up by the, uh, what do you call it? The wheel? Uh, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the helm, I think helm. it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're going to start modeling this, I think, this week. And it'll probably take <laughs> a month or two to really uh, get it perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, no, like I said, nobody on my team has used Blender before, and that's what we're creating the 11 minute pilot in uh so we're all learning as we go so yeah yeah all of our collectively we've we've used maya and 3ds max but blender it's mostly an interface issue right and what some things are called in maya they're called something different in blender and just so we're doing a lot of uh youtube tutorials which are mostly taught by 12-year-old kids who know how to do this stuff much better than industry pros now, uh, which is yes, but they not how to properly talk. Like, um, so what you do is um, you like. Yeah, but they totally know how to do it. So you got to put up with it. You know? Anyway, so there's that. And then last time I said I was going to show a uh, portion of the 11 minute animatic. Yes. Um, so I'm gonna, let me, here we go. 
and it's only got a little bit of narrator and main character dialogue. There's no music. Hello, yet. Mimsy. None of that. There we go. See? Hello, Dusty. What you are you two it? doing today? No, I can't hear it. Oh, my. You two need an adventure, don't you? Captain Boom Bam, you've shown this to me you before, came just so I, in time. I do get the gist of what's Hello, going on. Captain. Yeah. Boom Bam. Did I hear for someone people say watching they were looking for an adventure? Yeah. You need one of my famous treasure You know, I will say Each this. One is Your animatics are on much more detailed than even I do. Uh, and I think that, that could be a mistake on my end. You'll not be disappointed in what she finds, says I. Sorry, I didn't hear a word of it. Boom Bam. Oh, I said your animatics are way more detailed animation-wise than mine. Well, that, and I don't know. that's because we're trying to solve a lot of problems in this rough phase um, to make it easier for the phase moving forward. So the more information you put into the animatic, uh, the easier it is for the rest of the assembly line to build off of that. Right. And this sort of came about, um, this is a trend that's been happening in animation since, uh, well, lately, since like early 2000s with the uh, coming of like digital tablets to draw and stuff like that. So software like uh, Toon Boom uh, Storyboard Pro or even Flash, people are doing animatics digitally, and it led to this renaissance of animatics being superposed out, almost like rough keys. Um, yeah. And a lot of the background design is implied in the storyboards. And what it has done is it has become a money saver for the rest of the production because whenever somebody has a question the answer is well how did it look in the animatic so right so now the animatic instead of being what it's supposed to be which is just a preliminary like rough it's essentially now whatever's going on in the animatic you need to colorize flesh out and make even better well yes Yes and no. I mean, you have to think about production has really evolved since the time mm -hmm. of, you know, the 80s and moving back in the, in the decades, right? And with that, with that evolution is a whole new approach of going about doing it. So it, it's just about communication because whatever you don't put in the animatic, you're trusting the next artist who gets the work that they're going to know what you meant. Great job. You both the swamp. Do you want to see Yeah, that's that's true. I I dealt with that when we did uh grinning. I had a girl who straight up took my artwork and just or from the animatic and just yeah. <laughs> just kind of traced over that and I'm like, "No, you need to look at the boards and and look at the model sheets and that was fantastic. That that was very cute. How much of that is finalized before you even do the animatic? Or is that something that, like, later on, 
when you're going into full production, you go, okay, let's get Tom Cruise or let's get, you know, John Stocker to come and do the It really depends on the production. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, like, Disney feature, there's a lot of times where they use scratch audio. One of the animators will go into the recording booth and provide scratch. Um, this audio I'm using is pretty much scratch audio, but the people doing it are the ones I want to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So it really depends on most of the productions I've worked on for television and the film. The audio has been... 70% final, usually for TV, by the time the storyboard artist is boarding, the audio is final. Um, okay. But for film, it's like a mix, you know. It's, because film is weird because they're, they're, you got to work off other people's schedules and you, you're dealing with uh, usually a higher talent level that comes with egos and all that and it's it's just a more complicated process uh television you're dealing with pros who all they do is television voiceover stuff all day every day they know their their role and they know how to plus it and make it better than what it is on paper and they just they crank through it they i mean it's so easy to work with professional VO artists. Um, when you're working with like, like feature film uh, level, when you're working with actors who are used to being in front of the camera, but you're asking them to talk upwards towards a mic and, and a little pop filter, um, it's a little different. It takes them a while to catch that vibe, you know, but once they do, you yeah. get like gold, you know? Right. Um, so sometimes there will be multiple recording sessions. The first one will be like scratch, and the actor will come back and say, "Okay, I'm gonna. I I have this new take. I thought about it. That type of thing." Or sometimes what you get is what you get because the actor isn't coming back, and screw you, buddy. Yeah. So it, it's weird. It's really weird. And how many times has the latter happened? Well, like, I worked up? on one production where there was. All the actors were super cool. Rosario, uh, Rosario Dawson, is that her name? Ro- oh. She was on uh, Daredevil. She's been in Kevin Smith movies. She's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, but, like, mm-hmm. she was a pro. She was just killing it. Um, and she was so easy to work with that we heard as a story team, we heard from the director who would come back from the recording session, tell us stories about what it was like. Um, <laughs> but we would hear about other actors and I, I can't remember the, the guy's name, but just total dicks, you know, people that think, I mean, if you're an actor, even in, if you're a producer, if you're in entertainment, Okay. You're nowhere near as important as a nurse. Okay. You're just not. Right. And to conduct yourself as if you are is embarrassing. And yeah. that's what some of the actors would do. Like they, they all had this Kanye West type approach of presenting themselves to people where me being here is a gift to you. No, I'm sorry. Uh, 
knowing that there is, you know, a nurse here in case I faint, that's a gift, you know? Right. But, uh, I, uh, I, I will say the one, uh, I've had two experiences with voice actors that stick out of my mind. Three, technically. Um, the first one where it was like a really big name was Mike Pollock, who did a lot of stuff for Four to Kids TV. He's the voice of Dr. Eggman and the Sonic the Hedgehog series. He's done everything from Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Ultimate Muscle, Kirby. You know, he did a lot of that stuff. He's a tremendous talent. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually, he's the voice of Tommy Turkey, mm -hmm. which is phenomenal. That's and great. The first, yeah, the first time that I asked him to record stuff for me as as Tommy, I sent him the boards and I sent him scratch audio and the the the, the script, and um, he was very sweet. You know, at the time, this was about five years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, five years ago actually. Um, and I didn't think I could get him. And I'm like, you know, could you just do? And he had this deal at the time where if you gave him like under five lines, all you could do was like pay him five bucks and, and like a Starbucks gift card and do it for you. Oh, which that's was awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't do that anymore. No. Ancient <laughs> no. Um, but um, so I, I gave him the, you know, I gave him the Starbucks card and all that stuff. And a day or so later, he gave me his tracks and I, I, there is nothing more exciting than hearing the voice talent that you want to work with, at least for me, like the, the the high that I get is when you're working with somebody that you're excited to work with and you get the, the product from them. Yeah. You know, it's almost as cool as being in the booth with them because like you can talk with them and then they give you your stuff. And then, you know, the, you know, the first time I heard him say, all right, you guys, let's get this body started. I'm just like, Oh, <laughs> that's a yeah. That's so cool. That, that's my writing. Yeah. That's so sweet. And um, it was, and then the second time that I had that happen was with Fred Freeze, who, when we were doing Grim Grinning Giblets, um, I wanted to have an authentic part of the Haunted Mansion attraction in our cartoon. And if it wasn't for Mr. Freeze, there would be no Grim Grinning Giblets because I made a promise to myself saying that if he said no, I wasn't going to do mm -hmm. it. But he said yes. And for those of you who don't know, Fred Freeze is the son of Paul Freeze, who is one of the greatest voiceover guys. He's been in every rank and base Christmas special. He's uh, still heard in Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland. And he's the ghost host in Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. So you ride the ride today, you still hear Paul Freeze's voice. And I went to his son and I said, I want you to reprise your dad's role as the ghost host with my own dialogue that I've written. Mm -hmm. Would you mind? And he says, it'd be an honor. Absolutely. Let's do it. And he sent me his takes and he did the reverb. He said, do you mind if I put my own spin on it and make it kind of sound ghostly? I'm like, please, yeah. you know, <laughs> do what you need to do. And he did. And I did... Um, you know, I, I did an animatic with the ghost host and it gave me chills, like hearing the thunder, the rain, the lightning and the organ and his stuff. It just was the coolest thing ever. And then the one bad experience, I don't want to call it bad, but it was just really difficult. Like when you don't have chemistry with an actor or an actress and it just you feel uncomfortable, you know, yeah. 
you just um, and that happened with me with um, one of the girls that was Chelsea. And uh, again, very, very, very popular YouTuber. Uh, I had, had done a couple of things, and I was just like, "Oh, I'd love for you to be uh, Chelsea." She's like, "Oh, oh, yeah, sure, okay, no problem, do it." And so I talked with her, and and I was trying to get to know her. She's a young gal; she's like in her early twenties, and so I'm just like, "Okay, mm -hmm. so let's let's see how well this works." And she was a great actress. Was her first time, and there was just like that awkwardness, you know, like what do I do? Like, how do I make this happen? Is this okay? Like, and like someone who's like tried to coach them and give them examples and not sound like a total creeper. Because let's be real, sometimes directors, you gotta creep them you know, or come off. Yeah, and we talked about that before. You know, it's yeah. a fine line between them feeling totally inspired and making sure yes. your vision is achieved. So, right. Yeah. So, and, and that's the difficult part of being a director, especially for VA, because it's like, okay, if you've never done it before, uh, you're an actor, but how do I train you for this? And with her, and then even get to like, I did an interview with her, um, you know, talking about being Chelsea, talking about her career. And she's so humble. She doesn't normally do interviews, but she accepted it for me. She felt awkward the entire time. I felt kind of awkward. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I don't think this is going to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so now, so then we had to replace her, which is sad, but, you know, I need somebody who, when we're, we're writing a script or when we got stuff to do and we got, um, you know, a character to play, I need you to know that character. Like, I would tell her, you know, how would Chelsea do? She's like, I don't know. You tell me. You're the director. I'm like, wrong answer. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you need to become that character, you know? Yeah. When I do Chucky Chicken, you know, I, I, you know, I become Chucky, you know? It helps that he is me. But, you know, it, it's like, you know, what would Chucky do? It's like, well, you know, I think we should definitely, uh, guys, guys. Okay. All right. Well, let's go. Yeah. You know, yeah. You just become Chucky at that point. Yeah. And that's what I need for somebody when they're doing, you know, VA for me. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's a it's a tricky thing to direct voiceover <laughs> sessions. I was speaking with. Yeah, um, yeah. I forget what guest. I, I had some guest on, and we were talking about recording sessions and that type of thing. And it all boiled down to the attitude of both the director uh, and the actor meeting in the middle between ego and, uh, what do you call it, compromise. So if you can, if you can walk in with a little bit of wiggle room, whether you're the director or the actor, if you can walk in with a little bit of wiggle room, you're going to get dynamite almost every time. Um, right. But if you walk in absolutely firm, uh, just like a stick, you bend it enough, it's going to snap and break, and then that's it, you know? So... Um, I, I will say this. We were recording um, with, the, with the girl who was Chelsea. Yeah. And... It was because of her, and because uh, eventually after she warmed up, we you know we we figured out, you know, some things. It just you know, 
um, that was where I decided to make Louie Australian. And so when I was putting on the Louie voice, you know, hi, crikey, Sheila, how's it going? And she was just like, my name's not Sheila. I just lost it. I'm like, you need to say that every single time he calls you Sheila. <laughs> and then at the end of the cartoon, like she would just blow up. My name's not Sheila. And I just was like, oh, my God. Yeah. It just is perfect. So, I mean, you're 100% right because it, they're willing to play with you and they're willing to, you know, act with you and have fun. You're going to have a dynamite. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of uh, next yeah. week, uh, expectations for oh. Chucky Chicken, what do you think? The actors now have their parts to animate. Um, I've told them that we need to get pencil tests done. Um, we were shy of a month of getting the thing completely finished. Mm -hmm. um, I will have uh, backdrops to show you as well. Cool. Um, as a matter of fact, I think I can give you a sneak preview if you'd like to see no, something No, no, save, save it till next week. Well, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, whatever. Yeah. I enjoy I enjoy talking with you, Brian, no, but whatever. No, okay. no, it's just I, it would fit better with all of next week's stuff. So we'll okay. save it for next week, and then we can do that much more of a impressive uh, show and tell with your stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, then, uh, so next week I will show the updated animation. I will showcase, hopefully, um, the cartoon in rough form, you know, we'll have hopefully had the, the sweat box. Mm -hmm. And then if we want, what we could do is we could literally have the sweat box on the podcast. We could yeah. maybe ask one or two people to be like, Hey, we're doing this podcast. We're going to be presenting this to, you know, people. Um, would you want to be a part of it yeah. and get them out there and get them some exposure? Yeah. Which would be nice. Yeah. Um, so. we'll try to work that out for next week. If not the week after we have to figure out like, are they work? I need to know what program they're working in, make sure I'm set up with it on my end so I can load it up. I know and, that the majority of the artists are working in tune boom. And I know there's like one or two that are working in TV paint. Okay. So, um, let's see, I've got like TV paint nine. Uh, I've got like a super old school version. I don't have Toon Booms. I, I can't afford to have that monthly subscription to it. Neither can I, but I do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll see what I can do, though, because there may be a project coming up where I need to have Toon Boom anyway. Um, so I'll see uh, what I can do, even if I only pay for, like, one month. Okay. Yeah. Off the record here, like, do you have a like a version of TV Paint that you're able to like share with people? Because I've been dying. Oh, you mean to like a TV. totally illegal version that is super easy to install and doesn't cost fifteen hundred dollars? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, I I have. The version I have is super old school for a reason. That's what I'll say. <laughs> and uh but I can uh I can talk to you more about that. Okay. Yeah. But uh in or no. not Toon Boom, T V paint oh. I'm talking oh. about. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, but yes. uh, yeah, okay. And for me, um, boys, I got to make sure I edit this part out. Let me put up a visual yeah. marker of of some sort. <laughs> I'm sorry. To, just let me put my water bottle up, just so I know to go back from this point and listen and edit out. Because because I just sorry. scrubbed through the timeline. Okay, there we go. I'm sorry. Just trying to avoid jail time. Me, you and me both, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so for Mimsy and Dusty next week, yes. I'll just have more um, animatic to show. I'll be picking up on the from that last scene. And Do you show, have them modeled in 3D? Not yet, not yet. Okay. I have a Z a Z sculpt model that I did where I was playing with the design more. Uh, I'll Can show that, that next week too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I want to see the transition from 2D to 3D. Yeah. I went way uh, off style when I got into it because I got all caught up with what ZBrush <laughs> could do. So I'm like, oh, what if this and this and this? So. Yeah, it's Mimsy, but it's not Mimsy. But it's sort of where I want Mimsy to go because in the 3D version, I don't want Mimsy to have the black eyes. I want Mimsy to have the Pixar-type eyes. Mimsy okay. and Dusty both, right? Like nice pupils and that type of thing. But, yeah, I ooh. went like I, I went off. I'm like, ooh, this brush is cool and just, yeah. May I? Play devil's advocate with you real quick yeah. on that before you make the design choice. Yeah. Um, I was watching an interview not too long ago with Phil Fisher, the creator of Veggie Tales. Yeah. Whom, by the way, I I could try and see if we could get him on the Drawn to It podcast. That would be great. Be. So I I know yeah. Kurt Heineke, who's the composer okay. for Veggie Tales. Um, as you know. Veggie Tales came out in '93, and Vilvisher owned it up to I think like the early mid 2000s, when he lost Big Idea and he sold the classic medium. Then they ended up going to DreamWorks. Yeah. When DreamWorks took the show, I mean, if you've seen the classic Veggie Tales design, you know that they have you know very cartoony stylized eyes where it's you know black solid black pupils and very friendly eyes. Yeah. You know Thomas the Tank Engine or Mickey Mouse style eyes. Well, they they did a um, a new version of VeggieTales a couple years ago called VeggieTales in the House and VeggieTales in the City, both produced by DreamWorks uh, and directed by Doug Tenaple, the guy who did Earthworm Jim and right. Cat Scratch, and he redesigned the characters oh, yeah, to give them, yeah, and gave them the different Pixar styled eyes. Mm -hmm. Everybody hated it, especially mom. Interesting. Have, they know, preferred the just a simple black pu pupil. There's a reason for it because Veggie Tales and properties like Veggie Tales, like Thomas the Tank Engine yeah. and other early development, they do really well with special needs kids because they have friendlier eyes and okay. they are. They remind them of like soft, cuddly, you know, easy to register eyes and, and designs. And by changing those eyes, they the the kids that had the special needs and the younger kids really struggled. I mean, if you look at Olaf from uh, 
Frozen, same thing. He has a very simple design, very simple eyes. Yeah. to characters like Anna and Elsa, um, who are very intimidating to kids, but everybody loves Oh, And every, I mean, it's the reason why Mickey Mouse has been around for so many years because he has a very simple design and he's friendly and round yeah, shapes, look at that. you know? Hmm. So by the way, they, I love having my computer in front of me while I'm on the podcast. I know <laughs> to the listener or watcher, it's a little bit distracting. It looks like I'm not paying attention to you when I'm looking stuff up that you're talking about, but um, it really no, I, helps I, I, me I, I, understand what yeah. you're saying if I'm not as familiar like you are. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. this is fantastic. So so they redid the VeggieTales show yeah. again last year and they brought back the classic designs okay and that it has performed better than any version of veggie tales isn't that interesting okay see this is what this show is about i had i had no idea about that backstory on just the research of the coloring of the eyes how you found mm -hmm. out about it i don't know you might need to get out I'm more maybe i don't know <laughs> But I'm glad that you do know about it because I find that extremely interesting. Right. Yeah. Well, I have autism too. I I struggle with Asperger syndrome. It's it's highly functioning, but I I still I have it, and I prefer easy design care. I mean, that's why I love Mickey Mouse so much. He's easy to look at. He's easy to draw. Right. Right. You right. know, an overcomplicated, an overcomplicated character. That's sensory overload. You know, as I get older, I realize that I can't be in places that have lots of flashing lights and like just a lot going on. Right. It bothers, you know, it, it, it bothers the heck out of yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Sensory overload. Right. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, so that's super important to kids in particular. And especially now you really want to be uh, really especially minded with kids that have special needs. Yes. Well, we're are, so much more aware of what that spectrum is, right? It, because right. when I was growing up as a kid, it wasn't this kid might have autism. It was shut up, right. you know, and because it, there was just no knowledge base. And, right. and now uh, the more we get educated about, well, everything, to be honest, you know, uh, we start to be able to broaden. Um, see, some people could see it as a limitation. I, I see it as a challenge to creativity to make something appeal on even a more mass audience than you thought you had, right? Right. Uh, because it's not as simple or as uh, binary, to use a hot hot topic term right now, as little right. boy, little girl, there's that, there is that, but there's also that with uh, special needs spectrum. There are uh, a lot of little boys out there that love the little girl stuff. And there, it's a whole, it's more mixed up than people thought. And right. I hopefully with parents of today and and the next round of parents, it will become more and more um, ingrained in the what is normal, you know, because mm -hmm. the idea of normal right now is morphing. Nobody knows what normal is because we're changing it. 
right? Oh, we've had four years of of of, of absurdism is basically how I like to. I I can't take that. I heard it from John Bing, who is one of my favorite YouTubers. He talked about the election and how we basically dealt with four years of absurdism, where everything has just been nuts and crazy, and especially yeah. this year has just been. What for the record? So, and just to end things off, I want to put it out there. Uh, I am working on a very big guest uh, for producers without a clue. Um, One of the creators of Disney's Club Penguin. Um, Hopefully, will be on uh, in the first half of the new year. I bring it up now because for early listeners, I want to give you something to really look forward to as our podcast continues to evolve and grow. Uh, A little Easter egg for you. Um, For people who have come much later and are just listening now, then, you know, what took you so long? (laughs) (laughs) What what took you so long? Welcome to the podcast. Your 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 pizza's cold. But yeah. you know what? It's okay. We got we got a microwave. Oh, good. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> even if this person is not able to come on, um, they're a big fan of the idea of the podcast, and knowing what their schedule already is, uh, that's a huge compliment compliment for them to even have read what my description of the podcast is. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I already feel like it's a win. Um, but when they do come yes. on, they're going to talk about everything you and I have been talking about, how, how that team of people, there were three of them primarily, and how they had to build this thing that nobody knew about and how they went about doing it to such a degree that Disney came knocking on their door and offered them hundreds of millions to buy it. Um. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. So a little Easter I mean, egg for the early listeners to look forward to in 2021. That is, so. That'll be a great start to a wonderful year. Yeah. So um, anyway. Well, anyway, all right. Anything else to plug real quick or you got? Uh, uh, DTIpodcast.com. That's all I got right now. Okay. Do you mind if I do my plugs? You go for it, man. Okay. Valley Studios has uh, got a lot going on. Um, of course, we are uh, we do our Ten Away podcast, which is our D and D inspired our D and D playthrough. Um, we have been uh, doing really well on Spotify, um, which is just um, my partner Aaron Rogan uh, runs that game. Um, if you are not big into D and D. I highly suggest you listen to it anyway, because as someone who has never played the game before, I was asked to be a part of it. I'm the perfect demographic because I knew nothing about it. But by playing it, I've learned so much more about the game and about how to play and how it's like acting in a big way. It's it's a lot of fun and it's it's just a good time. Funny you bring it up. There, I just read an article where in the States, there are certain school districts using D&D online through Zoom as an educational tool. No kidding. Yeah, so go research that. 
Absolutely. You know, I swear I'm not so making it up. I don't think yeah. I'm making that up. I, I know <laughs> I read that. And it's called the 10, like the number 10 dash no way, because nobody has been able to roll above a 10. Mm -hmm. So whenever we say, ten, whenever we do roll a 10, 10, no way. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or if the, the, the dungeon master rolls a 10, it's like a 10, no way. Right. So it's all um, Chucky Chicken, as we are recording this episode, is currently in production of its latest cartoon carolers of clucking by the time this episode goes out it should be done so go watch it go enjoy it um go see the the drawn to it podcast um you know that's it, it's a great show uh check out uh chucky e. chicken and valley studios at valleystudiosmedia.com uh, you know we're on all the socials facebook twitter instagram um Big things, and I got a. I have a meeting tomorrow with somebody very, very influential. So by next week, I'm hoping. Keep your fingers crossed. But I will have some pretty amazing news that I can finally share. Awesome. Um, so Don't we'll screw it up. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no, that's fantastic, man. That's yeah. great. So. Yeah. Um, that's part of why I was feeling all down yesterday because yeah. I was kind of nervous about everything that's been oh, going sure. on. Oh, sure. That week, stuff, so. that's nerve wracking. Yeah. Because yeah. it's very, you got to be very vulnerable when you go into a meeting like that. You know? Oh, yeah. And this is the third one that I've had with him. And I still yeah. get like goosebumps and nervous because yeah. it's just yeah. like, I don't want to come off like. Mm -hmm. Because you know me, I'm over animated enough as it is just talking to you about, you know, <laughs> what I love, you know, and just telling you the process and like yeah. you go into different tangents and stuff. That's cool. I, 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 I am myself with him, obviously, but yeah. it's like I don't want to like scare him away. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> I Which I'm, I'm surprised I haven't scared you away, to be honest with you. Well, you and I are cut from a very similar cloth. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, uh, not a big deal to me at all. And I'm sure this person will understand, uh, you know, oh, sure, you, yeah. you just gotta not screw it up. That's all. Let me go in there. Yeah. Again, that's all I gotta do then. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you want to break the ice right away, pull your shirt up and just play the <laughs> belly, like the drums and then go -cha! like that. <laughs> and then. No, everything is up from that. Out, so I think that'd be weird if I'm just like, eh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I just realized. Well, I show them you put thought it. into it and mark the different notes, like E note, flat C over here. You know, put put effort like, into it. So, yeah. <laughs> so if you look at this mole and yeah. you follow it up the trail here to plot point C. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, man. All right. Well, we shall end it there. And thank you to everybody for listening. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you next week. See you, see you soon, folks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>